Welcome to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. I'm your host, Yang Pratt, and each week we'll explore ways in which the arts can help you raise a smarter kid. I'll be sharing ways the arts can propel your child's learning and interviewing top artists, educators, and entrepreneurs. These guests will share why the arts are so very important to your child, along with actionable ideas you can easily implement into your already busy schedule. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on iTunes and share us with a friend. For extra tips on raising smart kids, head on over to artsmartparenting.com and click on the live tab. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the show today, and I just want to welcome you, and I'm ready to, excited to dive into everything you have to share with us today. All right. Perfect. All right, Vincent, I really want to go back to the beginning. I want to talk more about how you got into music and sort of your path to growing up and then starting your business around teaching music and spreading the love of music around the country. Okay. Well, for me, music started in elementary school. Uh, I think it was fourth grade when, you know, we all had the class where they brought us in and said, you know, if you want to learn how to play an instrument, you know, pick what you'd like to play and then go home and see what your parents think. So, you know, the first time I went home, I'm like, you know, hey, mom, dad, I'd I'd really like to play the guitar. And I'm like, "Mm, no, you know, try again. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, I came back and I came back the next day and he said, oh, I really like to play the drums. And then they were really loud. No, <laughs> you're going to have to try again. So uh, I ended up playing the trombone uh, through fourth grade all the way through high school, through senior year in marching band, concert band, jazz band. And that was a one part of my musical upbringing. And then when I was around 11 or 12, uh, my mom convinced my dad bring a piano into the house because she had always wanted to learn how to play the piano and so as an adult she was probably in her early 40s she really wanted to learn how to play well and they brought that piano in i kind of was you know like a bead of honey i was drawn to it and i'm you know plunking on the keys and trying little melodies i'm like you know when can i take lessons please <laughs> so i started taking classical lessons after a little while and i did that for three or four years uh, and at one point i got hooked on pop radio and I kind of, you know, segued away from classical and just, you know, pop music and melodies just kind of took over my whole musical brain. And from there, I started writing songs and playing in bands and performing. And uh, I did that really through, you know, next couple decades while I was working, you know, going to college for not music. That was a whole other <laughs> story. I really wanted to go to college for music. Uh, but, you know, my parents were like, you know, how about something a little more practical? So, you know, I was kind of leaned in that direction so that I took my practical engineering path and went to work in that field. But music was always such a big part of me. Uh, there would be times, you know, you know, we'd have children born and I would like stop playing for a little while, not playing mm-hmm. totally, but like going out and playing. And then after like about a year, I'd be like, you know, something's killing me. I don't know what it is. Absolutely. Oh, wait, I'm not doing music. So... I kept, you know, I would come back to it and, and then continue playing music and writing. You know, I did everything from managing bands, working in recording studios, booking shows, you know, the gamut of things. Everything but runner music school. <laughs> I didn't get to do that. And as I got a little older, 
uh, I started to feel like, you know, something's really missing. I have this engineering career. I have my music passion, which doesn't seem to put enough food on the table. I'm obviously not doing something right. <laughs> but I was thinking I really wanted to do something a little more meaningful. And I think, for me, part of the reason why I wasn't as successful doing music that I was doing was uh, I've never been very comfortable in promoting me, myself. Mm. Just It's just not who I am. You know, I felt like I needed to be uh, behind something that was more meaningful uh, than just me or the love songs that I wrote. Uh, so, I don't know, one day it just kind of came from, came from above. <laughs> I had this, you know, a little lightning that hit me, like, what about something that, you know, promotes the value of music? And that's where Keep Music Alive came from, our organization. And then I was on a call, training call, you know, you sign up for these various little training calls occasionally, mm -hmm. and this was, happened to be, you know, you, you know, how to write a book, or, you know, everybody should write a book someday. I'm like, well, what am I going to write about? Because, you know, what I know about the most with regards to music is songwriting. And you know, the last time I checked, songwriting books aren't exactly on the bestseller list. <laughs> so I just didn't feel like that was a very big market or something that was meaningful. But then I had, you know, the additional brainstorm that came in to actually write a book of stories, mm. uh, publish a book of stories, really that we could leverage stories, inspirational stories from people from all around the world and the experiences that they had and how music helped them, whether it was an educational experience, therapeutic experience for them or a family member, or just something funny that happened you know, with, with music in their lives or something that they witnessed. And that's how the book that we published came about, 88 Plus Ways Music Can Change Your Life. So this all started about, I'd say, two and a half years ago in the summer of 2014 when the idea for this came together, and then we've just kind of been running with it ever since. And along the way, we picked up a couple additional ideas. Again, everything we're doing is is created as a vehicle to try to promote what we're about, which is promoting the value of music for education, for therapy, and for just making us happy. And I came across the idea of this Teach Music America week, where basically, why don't we pick a week where we encourage musicians and music schools everywhere to, you know, try to find someone to, you know, offer a free lesson just to get them started. Because many people, you know, can't count the number of people I run into. Like, oh, I always wanted to play the piano. I always wanted to play the guitar. I'm always telling them, look, my one guitar student didn't start learning to play until he was 80 years old. Yeah. But don't tell me you're too old. Absolutely. <laughs> That's not the reason. <laughs> So Teach Music America Week was born as a way to encourage music musicians and, and music schools like yourself that if you don't already offer a few lessons to, uh, to new students to do so during this week and really try to create a big media buzz where every, you know the communities around these schools and around these musicians will be aware that, hey, this is available to me. And maybe, you know, maybe this is the time, this is the year I'm going to go actually uh, and, and start picking up that clarinet or that violin or piano or whatever it was that I've always wanted to do and try it. And the reason we want to do this, obviously, is because the benefits that it brings, you know, not only to children for their educational needs, uh, but for adults as well. You know, as you know, just playing a, a musical instrument is just, it's therapy in itself, yes. even if we're not playing for someone else. When I just sit at the piano and just play for me, it feels good. And that's what I hear from other musicians as well. Absolutely. Well, and there's so many great takeaways from, from your story. I want to go back a little bit uh, to your mom playing the piano. Did she continue lessons uh -huh. as well with, her, with you? So she took lessons for, 
I wish I remember exactly how many years, but several years she took lessons and played. And then when my mom and dad retired, uh, you know, they moved the piano down with them to Florida where they retired. And she continued to play a little bit, but I think it's just kind of, she would play for fun. Absolutely. You know, and, 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 but she was no longer taking lessons, so then she would put up a sheet of music and, you know, and she would try to play around with it and realize, you know, it's one yeah. of the things, especially with classical music, you kind of have to keep up with it. It's not like pop music where you can just put up a bunch of chords <laughs> and if you know the chords, you can just play and sing along. Mm -hmm. uh, but music was always really important to her. She sang in the church choir her whole life, you know, until she passed uh, just a few years mm -hmm. ago. Sorry to hear that. Uh, so music was just really important to her and, and she kind of passed that on to me, you know, indirectly, not realizing <laughs> Well, and I think that's such a great lesson for our listeners, too. Many of them are parents. All of them are parents. And they're really looking for ways to keep their kids active, keep them engaged, give them benefits such as, you know, either being maybe better at math or being able to sit and learn something and have that, that uh, journey in front of them. So it's just nice that your mom was able to model that for you. Whether or not she realized it, we all have to think about our kids and think, okay, what am I going to do now to show them that you can really do anything you set your mind to. It doesn't matter your age. And like you, you know, we, we had one of our, my very first music students was a man in his 60s. And he came to us and said, I desperately want to learn violin. My entire life, I've wanted to play this instrument. So, you know, we started, started at the basics and our teachers were able to take him through this journey. And I used to love watching him. I would be working at the front desk and he would come in 30 or 45 minutes early with his sheet of music uh -huh. and he was practicing. I mean, there were people all around him, but he just sat there and he had this joyous look always on his face and he brought this great <laughs> exuberance and energy. And I just thought, oh my gosh, every person needs to be this in life where they're so excited and they're so passionate and why not? You know, we're, we're put here to fulfill our dreams and to fill, fulfill our bigger destiny. So if, if playing in music has been something, you know, adults want to do, I say jump in. You know, I feel like yes. sometimes as we get busier as adults, we don't always put ourselves in positions where we have to be uncomfortable. And certainly learning right, an instrument right. and making mistakes is very uncomfortable. So I think as adults, <laughs> we kind of have to say, okay, take a breath. I can do this. I want to make this happen. You know, let's take one step at a time. But yeah, I definitely think, especially for adults, it's a big hurdle. But I'm excited, though, that we get to partner with you for Teach America Week, Teach Music America Week. Uh, so I really would love to get more adults into classes, you know, picking up that instrument they play, maybe when they were in elementary school or maybe high school. Or, right, or, or like you, where you played an instrument, music was a passion, but then you went to college and there's that little nagging voice that says, uh, that's not really a viable option for you. Go pick something more practical. I can totally relate to that. I went to school to study pre-med and that's not where I ended up by any means either. But it seemed like a logical oh, wow. seemed like a logical path to take that to be sure, you know, to have sure. to have a job, to have the security. But like you, you said when in those times when you were having kids and you took a break from music there's something missing. That little piece of yes. you, that, that piece of spirit, that piece of wonder just kind of goes away. And after a while, it kind of just starts 
wearing on you. You kind of feel tired and you're not able to pinpoint what it is and lethargic and just not motivated. But then when you go back to that, as hard as that is sometimes, that's where the magic really happens. Right. You you reawaken that joy inside yourself, which is, you know, key to being happy. Yes. And I love reawakening. That's such a great word because I think even for kids, I think by their nature, they're musical. They relate to sounds. They they are expressing different emotions when they hear different sounds. Sometimes it's soothing, sometimes not. But we grow up hearing music all around us from the wind and the leaves outside to the music our parents play or not play. It's always around us. So to be able to even reawaken that as a kid is such a great thing for parents to really understand that it really doesn't matter where you are in life. But it's there. It's wait. This little this little flame is waiting to be lit. So let's see what we can do. Yeah. And, you know, infuse some music into the mix and see how that helps to sort of brighten everything up around us. Right, right, and it helps you be creative in all the other endeavors that you're doing in life. You know, whether it's your child and you're in school. I mean, you know the research of how you know kids that are taking music lessons of how they do better in other subjects like yes. English and math and science. Because it really connects the two parts of their brain in a way that without music and the arts, you don't have that. Absolutely. And that's why you see so many, you know, whether it's doctors, or scientists, inventors, or, you know, people like that, that were musicians or, or still are. But, I mean, they started learning to play an instrument as a child and that really kind of parlayed into their future to helping society and, and in other ways that we all mm-hmm. benefit from. Yeah, and I actually just read an article, I think it was yesterday, it came across my news feed in Facebook, and it was talking specifically about the number or the percentage of doctors, surgeons in particular, who listen to music while they're doing surgery. Oh, I just, I just saw that. Yes, yeah, it was, it like was 90% fascinating. Like yes, I, a huge <laughs> amount of them. And I was laughing a little bit because they all kind of had their preferred genre, and classical was not amongst <laughs> the top. It was kind of towards the bottom. And so I just had to laugh a little bit about we all need that to fuel us. And like you said, in education, you know, there's not a lot of music happening, unfortunately. It seems to be dwindling and even having to wait till you're in fourth or fifth grade to play an instrument. I feel like we've missed some of those vital years when, like learning a new language, if we start introducing music to our kids at a very young age, gosh, imagine how much it opens up the connections in the brain, how many more connections they can make, how much better they can get things like math and spatial awareness and being able to manage their time. I mean, really comes down to some simple life lessons as well that music and the arts had to teach. Right. Right. Discipline, persistence, social skills and playing with other musicians. It's it's all part of it. Yes, absolutely. I want to dive into a little bit about these life lessons and what music and the arts has to teach. One of my, I guess, challenges I have with the school system is that, you know, it teaches our kids to really follow this straight and narrow path. And you and I are subjects of this, right? We, we have these other passions but went to school and studied something else because that was what society was telling us. That's what school was telling us, you know, go out there, find a job, you know, be with a company that can help you through your retirement and be very committed to them. You know, that was sort of old school thinking, and I still think the way that schools are still teaching and they're testing are really driving people by the dozens and dozens and dozens to that corporate sort of life when we know that the world is changing so much that having one career in life is pretty much non-existent anymore. So I want to talk to you about um, 
how parents can really help their kids to explore music or explore the arts? What are some things they can do at home that can kind of inspire them to want to do more in the arts? Well, there's a couple things. I mean, one, you know, we should expose our children to the music that we grew up on. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for me, my parents, you know, was the 40s, music from the 30s and 40s. Uh, for me, it was more, you know, the 60s and 70s. But, you know, start by introducing them to some of the music that we grew up on. And you may find that some of them get really interested in that music. And, and you kind of become amazed, like, wow, you know, they're not just into the latest Taylor Swift mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, they like this Kansas song or this, you know, whatever. I was just amazed. My daughter came to me like, I want to download Carry On Wayward Son and Stairway to Heaven. Nice. Like, where did that, where <laughs> did that come from? <laughs> I mean, that was, those were my tunes when I was growing up. Yeah. Uh, so but I think partially, you know, by exposing them to songs and genres that, that we like, you know, to try to see how they react and get their creative juices flowing and also listen to some of the music that they like with them and try to, you know, <laughs> learn to appreciate what it is, what do they see in it, what do they feel in it, how does it make them feel, because uh, that way you build a stronger connection with, with your children. Yes, I agree. And another thing is to take your kids out to music events. I mean, yes. you know, whether it's at a park, a festival, a uh, coffee house, I mean, there are places that are having music that um, maybe not as much as before, but where we can go out and expose our kids to, you know, there's a guy up on stage playing guitar or piano, or there's a duo, a violin and a piano player, and sometimes, you know, when they see it live, the music's being created right in front of them, it just opens you up into a whole other dimension, like, wow, wow, and you start thinking, well, you know, maybe I want to do that, mm -hmm. or, or maybe it makes me think of something, maybe it helps me solve my math problem I've been working on, or whatever it is, it just really opens up Music appreciation and listening really opens up your mind to so many possibilities. Yes. I think just those are a couple ways that parents can use, utilize to help, you know, broaden their children's minds through the use of music. Absolutely. And I would add, you know, if you live in a small town where there's not access to lots of music, the internet has made us such a global universe that you can hop yes. on and watch live concerts. And while you're not there live, being able to hear the audience and hear what they're sounding like and what it must feel like to be there. And when you can see those faces, I mean, it's almost as good as the real thing, right? Not quite. It's kind of like watching yes, a sports yes. game. You know, I don't really care for watching sports on TV, but when you go to the stadium or you go to the ballpark, just the energy of being there, that's what makes it fun. So yes, being able to right. even travel or take your kids to a big city where the musicians are out on the street and places like New York City and San Francisco in particular really stick out because there's a wealth of music all around right. the town. I mean, pick a corner and there's someone playing, there's somebody singing, there's someone doing something. And if you're down in San Francisco um, by the, the wharf, then there's you know a whole street of artists and vendors and musicians and performers that you could just sit there the entire day and watch them because they're just so mesmerizing. Right, right. but you're right. With the Internet, you can certainly, and now with the whole video exploding on the Internet with mm -hmm. Facebook Live and people yes. broadcasting their shows, everything from the little guy in the corner of the coffee house to big stage shows, you know, where you can get such a, a variety of styles and different types of intimacy, you know, atmospheres. Because you know, some of the smaller ones, you know, you almost kind of feel like you're there when you're yeah. watching it. Because Absolutely. it's a smaller environment. 
on on the stage or the side of a you know side of a, a room or whatever. Yeah. And again, the variety now of what you can hear right. almost any time, anywhere is is a beautiful thing. Yes. Well, it was interesting that you mentioned Facebook Live because I think that's a whole other lesson that our kids can learn. If they're used to talking to the camera, because this is sort of the way of the future, a lot of things are going to transpire over the internet and via interactive things like this. I mean, where we live across the country from each other, and the fact that we can connect to each other, and it's almost like we're in the same room, is pretty amazing. But for our kids to be able to learn, again, those life lessons where they can feel confident talking to somebody face-to-face, even though they're not really face-to-face. I mean, I'm just amazed that my, my oldest is 13, and a lot of times her and her friends will FaceTime. And it's so funny because when I first started FaceTiming or doing this sort of thing, it felt so foreign and it felt so uncomfortable because it just was like, right. wait, I can see myself on the screen and I can see you and I don't know where to look. So right. it's just don't so, look at me now. Yeah, don't look at me it's now. so funny. But I mean, the skills that they're learning and the technology that's out there really connects us all. And the fact that we can connect to music and we can connect to the arts. And I think there are even virtual tours of like the Louvre and the Guggenheim on the on the Internet. I was talking to someone else right. and they said, gosh, yeah, we couldn't go there. So we just Googled it. And there was like an interactive thing where we could like walk through the rooms and see all this artwork. And I just thought, Wow. That's amazing. So to be able to, to take what we love these days and be able to connect the world like you've done with um, Teach Music America is so fascinating because really, when we look at it, we're all part of this global world and the internet yes. and technology makes it not feel so big. I mean, it's still very vast, but I, f- I love that we can connect immediately and we can share things immediately on the internet. It's, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, if we use the tool, the internet tool, well, you know, we can actually encourage, you know, it's kind of you were alluding to, our children to build their social skills. Because so many times, you know, I guess in the early days of the internet and mm-hmm. texting, you know, the whole talking thing was kind of disappearing, uh, mm-hmm. learning how to connect and talk and relate to people. So having this Facebook Live video and, and other mechanisms like it allow us to, you know, practice talking to people and get comfortable talking to people. Because that's where real life happens. I mean, you know, emails and texts, it's just really not the same. You're not making the connection. And often you have a lot more misunderstandings, yes. uh, miscommunications when you're doing it uh, without actually talking to someone. So it's a beautiful thing having to connect the video and the audio and then adding the music to it. It's just big old bonus. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, a couple of summers ago, it was interesting because we did a little dance camp and part of it was spent in learning technology. So these kids who participated, not only did they get to create their own storyline, so they got to do screenwriting sort of things, they got to learn to cut music and make a soundtrack and fade in and fade out. And it was fascinating to me how much they loved that piece because the tech things are something that I gravitate and I really love those sort of things. Most creatives don't. They want to run and hide in the other room and say, please just make it go away. But I have spent so much time sort of learning the tech out of necessity mostly. But it was just so interesting for these kids. And they were all ages. You know, they were from ages 9 to 18. So it was a big range of ages. But all, But all of them really thought that was cool to say, 
we made our own soundtrack. We got to listen to all these songs and pick the ones that best suited the emotion of that particular part, or it was, you know, there's some high drama in this part. So they got to pick these songs, right. and they just thought that was such a cool thing. So, again, it really just speaks to how music affects us positively, how it can really evoke different emotions, and how we really connect to our world through song. I mean, if I think back, like you were saying, the songs we grew up with to the songs of now, I mean, we all have these interesting soundtracks. And wouldn't it be fascinating if we could compile all these songs from our childhood to now and just listen to the different phases and the different stages and the different, the different developmental needs we all needed at different points in our life. I think that would be an interesting subject to pursue further. No, absolutely. So music is a mat is you know, I call it a musical time machine. You know, it takes you back yes. to what you were feeling, what you were thinking, where you were. And if you were to take a timeline like you said of, you know, what what music were you listening to when you first really yeah. earliest music you can remember listening to. <laughs> Kinda, you know, play that up through today, you know, what's your favorite music today? It's I think that would be really cool. Yeah. It would be, and I just, you know, a couple of things popped to my mind, you know, some of the earliest thoughts I had of music were, you know, my dad and his eight-track player, and it was Johnny Cash. You know, that was sort of my uh -huh. first introduction to music, and then, you know, we kind of, that was through probably the 70s, and then the 80s, you know, Madonna was a big thing. So it's just so funny. It makes me laugh a little bit about the music that we listened to when we were younger. But the kids today, it's funny, too, because they have these favorite songs, and so many of them now are throwbacks to older songs. There's a song on the yes. radio that my daughter listens to, and it, it, the song is Heart and Soul. And I told her, I said, well, I can play that song. And she's like, no, Mom, that's not a real song. I said, yeah, let's go play this song together. But that's the whole melody of the song, and it's so funny to me. Right. And finally, some of her friends who do play piano and, and are musicians, they're like, yeah, it really is. But she didn't want to believe it from me, of course, because I'm mom, right? And that sometimes is a struggle. That's, that's, that's how that works. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Hey, so I want to go back and talk a little, little bit more about your book because I'm really fascinated by these stories. It almost sounds like it's the, the chicken soup for the musician's soul sort of version with these different stories. Yep. So can you give chicken. us a, a few examples of some of the stories and maybe the transformations that people in your book have experienced through music? Well, one of my favorite stories I like to relay is, is the uh, story that Simon Kirk uh, put in the book. Now, Simon is the drummer for Bad Company and Free, the mm. band Free before that. And uh, several years back, he was giving a drum clinic over in the UK. And he was in an auditorium, and, you know, the lights were down, and he's up on stage, and he's, you know, demonstrating different drums, different techniques. And while he's playing, he's hearing this clicking sound coming from somewhere in the auditorium. And he's not really sure what it is or where it's coming from, but, you know, he just continues on and, you know, is able to just put it out of his mind for a bit. But as he continues doing his demonstration, uh, and as the sound continues, the clicking keeps coming, you know, on and off, on and off. And after a while, it's actually starting to bother him a little bit. Like, hey, I'm up here on stage giving you this demonstration for all these people, and who the heck's doing that? <laughs> he's making these noises. Because uh, now it's starting to get a little distracting. So... This went on, and then finally he finished up his demonstration, and then the house lights went up, and then he could see for the first time in the back of the auditorium was a whole row of wheelchairs mm. with children sitting with him holding drumsticks, and they were playing with him all along. 
Wow. Children with muscular dystrophy that mm. were, you know, they were participating in this demonstration and playing all along. So, I mean, you know, when I read that story, I start to tear up. Absolutely. I know his heart just about had to drop out. You know, he, he came down, he said he came down mm. from the stage, he went to the back of the room and he kneeled down and he held each one of their hands and thanked them for oh. Bruce Lee for, you know, playing with him and performing with him that day and how much it meant to him. And, you know, I think he was a changed man. <laughs> After that, you know, sometimes we're in a situation yes. and we don't really, you know, we think something's happening, but, you know, you take back the curtain and you realize, oh, wait a minute, that's not really what's happening here. And it's yes. really something really special. And this kind of just serves as a reminder to us is never, you know, never assume when we see something that we know exactly what's going on, because maybe we don't. Yeah. But that's just one of the, to me, uh, you know, a tissue, bring the Kleenex out. <laughs> Absolutely. And as you're telling me this story, the emotions are welling up. And, you know, I get that little lump in the back of my throat thinking, yes, you know, those are the stories that keep me doing what I'm doing. And I'm sure keep you doing what you're doing, exposing these kids to music, because the effects and the transformations that can come from something so simple as listening to somebody and having these kids being able to join in in their own way and really feel connected and special, knowing that they got to play along, even though he didn't know at the time it was happening. I bet those kids right. felt like a million bucks, knowing that they were contributing. And then for him to say yes. thank you and really connect with them, I mean, wow. I would love to know the stories of those kids after the fact and how that day really maybe changed the course of their lives. Right, right, yeah. We'll have to follow up with Simon and see if we can connect with where he was exactly. And I don't know exactly how many years ago, but yeah, that would be really yes. interesting and, and wonderful to find out to see how the kids progressed and that some of them continued to play and how it might have affected them in a longer term. Yeah, I'm curious too. You have some amazing, like, big names in this book, and I would love to know how you went about connecting with them and, and getting them to take part in this project with you. Well, the trick really comes down to volume, volume, volume. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we reached out to literally about 6,000 people mm. around the world, uh, both you know amateur musicians, professional musicians, and celebrity musicians. And we probably reached out to maybe 300 celebrity musicians. And you know we would reach out to them you know through their management, through their agency, through their publicist. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we could actually connect to the actual celebrity on Facebook and we would, you know, no one else is responding. Let's see if we can just get him or her. And mm -hmm. and we would, you know, succeed that way. So it was really just a lot of different ways where we tried to ping people. Because when we were starting out, you know, we didn't have anything to show. This was the very first book. We had just started the Keep Music Alive mission, so we had no track record. So a lot of the people, a lot of the gatekeepers really weren't so keen in even letting us get the message to the celebrity because really we didn't have anything to show. Uh, but we were very grateful for the ones that did pass on the message. And, and we were able to get a, a, about two dozen you know, celebrities, whether it was film, TV, or music, to say, yes, I really want to contribute something to this and be a part of it. And we mm. were you know, over the moon thankful for it. That's amazing. And, yeah, 6,000 seems daunting, but I'm, I'm so grateful that you were <laughs> able to push through that because lots of us at some point would say, okay, after so many no's, it's easy to say, okay, I'm done. This is enough. I'm going to move on to the next thing. And it's usually at that point, we're at the point of breakthrough when we get so 
frustrated and move on. So again, this is something I'm sure you learned from studying music as well, where it was a contributing factor that you have to be persistent. Some days are just bad days and you have to keep going. And some That's days, right. you know, the music doesn't sound quite right and you, you know, but you just keep plugging away and keep making it happen until you can finally say, right. yes, I got it. Yeah, the more, right, the more you work at it, the average, you know, of how you play is going to get better and better. You know, if Absolutely. you do it every day for a month, a month from now, you know, your best day is going to be much better than it was today. And your worst day is going to be better than your worst day used to be. Yes. That's just how it goes. Yes. One of the mentors I listen to every day is Darren Hardy, and he has this quote, and he oh, says, yeah. better every day. If we can all strive to just be a little bit better than we were yesterday, you know, over the course of a year or two years, that adds up to some really, really big changes. So just like learning an instrument, you have to just know that the more time you put in, the better you're going to get on the other side. Right, right, right. It always brings to mind a favorite, a funny story I hear about the, the woman who comes up to a concert violinist and says, oh my goodness, you play incredible, amazing. You know, I would give my life to play like you. To which the mm -hmm. violinist responds, well, miss, I actually did give my yes. life to play this good. Absolutely. No, we, don't have, no, we don't have to play at that level uh, to enjoy music or to reap the benefits. But, you know, if you want to play at the A triple plus level mm -hmm. for your highest level orchestras, you know, it takes an extreme amount of dedication and yes. persistence. Absolutely. So where can my listeners find this book? Well, you can find this online at keepmusicalive.org.org. From there, there's a, you know, it talks about who we are and what we're doing. Uh, it has links to Teach Music America Week, and there's a link to the book. And you can also find the book on Amazon.com. You can find it on BarnesandNoble.com and a few mm -hmm. other online websites as well. Okay, and is it, available, is it available then in paperback or just like an electronic version? Yes, yes, paperback okay. and electronic okay. version. And we actually released recently a second edition oh, where great. we've introduced uh, some little, you know, little fun stuff in between, some musical comics that are included with the stories and some, a lot of inspirational quotes sprinkled throughout. Yeah, and I bet there's going to be many more volumes in store because I can, you know, I can just personally think of so many people who have been transformed by music or whose lives have been changed by music. And so I just think you're onto something really great here with this book and this series because, wow, I mean, the stories are just going to be incredible. And as you as you get more well known and people hear about them, I mean, I would imagine people are going to be lining up at your doorstep saying, "Yes, we want to be part of this next book." So I think that's very very cool. Thank you. Yes, we are looking for stories for volume two, okay. so Fantastic. get the word out. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So I know you have an event coming up. You have Teach America Week or Teach Music America Week. Tell us a little uh -huh. bit more about that and how parents can get, get themselves or their kids involved. So Teach Music America Week is where we're encouraging music schools and musicians, independent musicians all throughout the country, to offer one free introductory music lesson to someone new, and it could be a child, could be an adult, it doesn't really matter, whatever you know you normally work with. And on the website, teachmusicamerica.org, uh, we actually now have over 550 music schools around the country mm -hmm. that are participating. Uh, so if you go to your state and look up, you'll most likely find someone who's participating. Uh, and if not, let us know, and we will, you know, if you contact us through the website, we will try to find people up with someone who might and also for all the musicians that might be out there listening mm. you know we're encouraging them to talk to their family their friends and you know 
some of your family and friends have always wanted to learn how to play that guitar that you do or the piano that you do or violin or whatever it is that you do, uh, take a little time with them during Teach Music America weekend and show them a little bit and see if you can really spark enough interest to want, for them to want to continue, either with you teaching them or you can refer them to a local music school that wants to uh, you know, continue their progress. Excellent. I'm so excited. Like I said, we've partnered up with you too, and I'm excited to be able to offer these classes to our community in a live format where they can actually come experience it and really taking away all the barriers and just say, come one, come all, come experience, come experience the, the joys of music and just the fun. And for some people, it's meditation. For some people, it's they love to be able to focus on that next goal. Whatever it is, I think it's going to be a great week. Is there also an option for people to contribute or support the cause on the website as well? Uh, we're not currently a nonprofit, although we donate 50% of the proceeds from the okay. book to uh, music foundations that offer, that give instruments and music lessons to okay. communities and schools that need it. Uh, so we're not currently accepting donations. It's just through the sales of the book is how we're doing okay. it. Uh, we will eventually become a nonprofit. We just have to go through that whole administrative yeah. process sure. <laughs> yes. become that so we could accept donations and, and more easily pass them on. But right now we're teamed up with uh, Guitars in the Classroom, which is one group, uh, Spirit of Harmony, which is Todd Rundgren's foundation, and also Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation. All wonderful nonprofits that really share our mission and our goals, and we contribute funds to them to help through the sales of the book to help their mission, which is furthering our own. Excellent. So listeners, you have to go out and get a copy of this book so we can help really spread the word about music and its benefits to more kids and more adults really across this great country of ours. All right, Vincent, as we wrap up our time together, I could talk to you all day, but I know you're a busy man yes. and, and you have a real job to go to or your day job for now to go to. Um, so yes. what is the best way for my listeners to get in contact with you? Uh, the best way is through the website, okay. keepmusicalive.org. There's a contact form there. Uh, you can get to the book, 88 Plus Ways Music Can Change Your Life. Uh, and we're also on Facebook. Uh, okay. Keep Music Alive mission is on Facebook, and, and we're posting different activities there and just fun different and educational different posts and memes that help us all our Facebook page, Keep Music Alive Mission, where you can connect with us there. And also on Twitter, I think it's 88 Ways Music, okay. where you can find, you, find us on Twitter. Perfect. And I'll make sure that in our show notes page on our blog, all of those links will take them directly to those pages so they can get to you directly from us as well. Yeah, so uh, I just, thank you so much. Sure. I really appreciate really enjoy talking with you. This is, this is great. Yeah, and you definitely should connect again. I would love to connect with you as you know, the, as the event comes up and as it passes, you know, well, maybe you have to hop on Facebook Live and, and do something live to really talk about the event and really get people involved and signing up for some lessons so they can just go see what it's all about. Oh, I love it. That would be a great idea, yes. Excellent. Yeah, we'll definitely connect with that. Fantastic. Well, thank you again so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and I will talk to you very soon. All right. Thanks so much, Yang. You have a great day. Thanks, you too. Thanks for tuning in to the Raising Smart Kids 2.0 podcast. To really accelerate your ability to unleash your child's superpowers and raise smarter kids through the arts, we're creating loads of new resources, ways to connect, 
and ways to celebrate your successes. You can join our free Facebook community by visiting theartsmartparent.com or just search up Raising Smart Kids 2.0 on Facebook. I look forward to seeing you inside our community.